Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that Edwards refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for January the 9th in the year of our Lord, 2023. The goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country using the supreme law of the land, the Constitution, using the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers. This is our two of two. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, back with me. Wow, he's been out of town for quite some time, but he's back and ready to rock and roll. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you, Sam. It is good to be back. I enjoyed the time away, but uh, it's always good to be back talking with you about politics, current events, things we ought to know, and things we ought to do. All things liberty, ladies and gentlemen, on your radio, that's for sure. Concessions made in the battle for Speaker of the U.S. House. Now, uh, I might be a little more hardcore than you on this, uh, Lowell. Uh, but I uh, say shame on all the holdouts and shame on McCarthy and shame on all of them. <laughs> Why is that, Sam? Oh, what a disgrace. We don't need Kevin McCarthy. He's a deep state operative thug that's betrayed us the whole time. And now they make him speaker. They pretend they held out on it. But believe it or not, here's what Matt Gates said when asked why he finally caved. I ran out of things that I could even imagine to ask for, Gates said. Uh, so he wasn't really even trying to stop the speaker. He just wanted to extract a bunch of concessions. I don't really like it, though, when two people, literally Getz and McCarthy, hammer out these special rules uh, that none of them will really be followed in the, at the end of the day. Uh, and they never really intended to stop McCarthy from being speaker. That wasn't even their goal, they virtually admit now. But what a disgrace, if you ask my humble opinion. The system is absolutely broken. They made concessions like, oh, golly, you got to have 72 hours to read a bill. First off, you can't even read 4,000 pages of legalese in 72 hours, first of all. So that's a sham. But they've already had that rule in place forever and ignored it. So that's not even a concession worth worth discussing uh, per se. Uh, one person can remove a speaker of the House now or at least bring it up for vote. Look, it's just going to the, the speakership, the leadership in the House is so tenuous at best uh, now they'll be running from everybody's shadows, or it'll be meaningless. One of the two. Uh, in either case, it's not a good sign. So I'm not impressed, Lowell. Hmm. Yeah, so our takes are different on that. It all depends on what rules actually implement, because these concessions were simply, you know, verbal, you know, verbal promises, verbal agreements, and so the, the actual rules for the House for the next two years have not been set yet, but. They will be set probably this week or next, and, you know, we'll see, you know, what rules they decide upon. But I'm here to tell you that the rules of the chamber affect and have a dramatic impact on what business the chamber can conduct. Um, in uh, prior to 1859, for example, the committee, uh, the cha committee chairs and, and members were, were decided by the entire chamber, not the Speaker of the House. Today, they're decided by the Speaker of the House, and that's why, you know, that's why Speaker has so immense power. That's why it's so corruptible is because you got a few speakers, I mean, a few people at the top 
the speaker being the main one, if you can corrupt him, well, it takes less money to corrupt one person than it does 535 people, or if you're looking just at the House, 435 people. Um, and in truth, they don't really, you know, our representatives go back there. They say that they're back there to do the business of the people, but in truth, they're not able to conduct the business of the people because their legislation, their proposals, their bills never see the light of day. Why? Because the speakers appointed people on the committee chairmanships, they bury whatever the speaker wants buried. They don't allow anything to come up for consideration that the speaker doesn't agree with. Well, if the, if the, if the House would run by the rules that they had prior to 1859, that would be very different. You could actually, you know, any old representative would have the ability to bring any old thing up for consideration by the, by the committees and by the, by the entire House. So it really does make a big difference. I've seen it, happen, I've seen it play out in party politics. So at the uh, the county party level and at the state party level, I mean, these rules, whether they're ignored or tweaked or if they're fashioned in a way that, that um, um, you know, tilts the playing field in favor of the, the chair, then basically members of the, the assembly don't have a chance. They, they can't get anything done that they want done. And basically the, the chair or the president or the speaker, whoever it is, whatever assembly you're talking about, they ride roughshod over the whole assembly, <clears throat> getting what they want done and shutting out the rest of the body. I've seen it, and plus I've seen chairs who are very fair and that they allow for debate. They allow items to be brought up for consideration. So I'm here to tell you that <clears throat> the, you know, I agree with you, Sam, that the rules are often ignored, they're often broken, but if the body will treat them seriously and actually adhere to the rules, if they actually set good rules in place in, at the outset, which will probably happen this week, then that body has a much better chance of deliberating on and approving good legislation or better legislation. <clears throat> so that's kind of my overall take, my bottom line on yeah, and I think you're right on the points that if they would obey the rules and if they would do what's right, uh, you know, things that would change in a hurry. And if we had a good speaker, things would change uh, in a hurry. So either of those solutions could make the difference. But look, I'll just take the 75 or 72 hour rule. They've always had a thing saying they would let people read the bills first and then they betray it every time. Right. This is nothing new. Right. They can suspend a rule, but it takes a two thirds majority to suspend a rule. So if you don't have two thirds majority, then you can't suspend that rule. And they then have to go by the 72 hour rule. So it, it really depends on how uh, how well and well, well, it turns out that the speaker can try to ride roughshod over the assembly. But if you have a member of the House who knows the rules, then they can, by parliamentary procedure, they can force the assembly to follow the rules. So that's what need, that's that's why it's important to have a good set of rules to begin with. And then you need members of the assembly who understand those rules and uh, force the body to follow them. I mean, I think back to uh, a couple of years ago, um, back when COVID first uh, the lockdowns were first imposed. You know, Thomas Massey. Um, uh, he he was a stickler on the rule that they had to be in the chamber to do to be they had to be present to vote, 
And so he drove all the way from Kentucky to Washington, D.C., uh, in order to enforce that one rule. He was there, and he objected to the speaker moving ahead um, uh, in in basically allowing, you know, absentee voting to, to happen. And he says, no way, we're, we're going to follow this rule. And he made a lot of enemies, but he sure championed the rule. And, you know, we, we need that type of muscle in, in the U.S. House. So, you know, I don't know if Gates has that, that type of integrity, but, you know, we're going to find out this week and, and yes, we over are. the next few years. All right. What about one person being able to challenge the speaker, if you will, a single representative to remove the speaker if he goes back on a policy agenda item? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a nice uh, concession. Uh, you know, uh, before now it's been five. You had to have five people in order to you know support the motion to to vacate the the, the speaker. Um, and now it just takes one. You know, and, and that that just makes it easier for the speaker's chair to be vacated. Uh, all, but remember. It, it might it, it, it might take a majority. It might take a super majority to actually vacate the chair. I believe in, in under parliamentary procedure, it takes simple majority. I imagine that's probably going to be the rule in the U.S. Yeah, House. Yeah. So if these they, twenty, if these twenty, or you could say two hundred and twenty-two, whatever you want to look at it, can't stop the speaker, then he, they still won't stop him later with one. That's right. But it, it you can you can delay. Um, the you know the business by making the motion, and then that would require a vote on the motion. And so, if if you strategically want to, to hold up business, which of course I'm 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 pretty much in favor of gridlock in Washington D.C. I think the less business they do, then the less damage will be done to the republic. As long as they have a body that is not liberty-minded, which they haven't had for for decades, for centuries probably, then the more gridlock that occurs back there, the better. So I'm, I'm all in favor of, of the ability to, a single member to stand up and make the motion because that's, you know, just adds to the gridlock back there. There you go. Number two, a church-style committee will be convened to look into the weaponization of the FBI or the CIA, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think of this? You think they'll really make um, anything change? Will they arrest people? Will they create accountability? I think they need to shut down the FBI, not just have a church committee look into it. Yeah, this is, uh, I agree with you, Sam. Um, this is kind of namby-pamby, but at least it's something. Um, it's almost like, you know, Ron Paul uh, would like to end the Fed, but he knows that he needs to audit the Fed first to get enough people angry enough about it to actually end the Fed. So what do you do with the FBI? You can't simply throw, I mean, there's, there is no political muscle to simply end the FBI. But if you look into the weaponization of the FBI and get enough people angry about it, then perhaps you could uh, end the FBI thereafter. So, you know, I, if they truly do a church-style committee to look into that, then I'm all for it. I pray they do. I don't have a lot of confidence heads will roll virtually or figuratively speaking, but there you go. Hey, let's take a quick, uh, let's skip the break real fast, shall we? All right, term limits. I'm not a term limit guy. What about you? Nor, nor am I. I uh, disagree with uh, the mechanistic term limits. Obviously, we have term limiting at the ballot box. And I'm, I'm all for that, but I'm not. I don't believe that you know programmatically or mechanistically 
we have to just say, okay, all you get is two terms or four terms or whatever. Can you imagine, you know, Mitt Romney or John McCain as a lame duck for six whole years? <laughs> I mean, see, that's the biggest problem. The biggest danger with term limits is, is lame duck legislators. They actually had, if I if Do we I have a lame duck speaker had, of the House now is the next interesting question. They've disabled him so much. Can he even be speaker? Well, the speaker should facilitate the business of the body. That's the role of the chair. And and so if he doesn't fulfill that role, then they ought to vacate that his his chair and get somebody in there who will um, facilitate consideration of. Yeah, my point know, is they should have done that. That's right. right, but they didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so term limits was in place uh, in under the Articles of Confederation, and they 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 actually considered it in Philadelphia at the Constitutional Convention, and 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 specifically decided not to implement term limits in the Constitution. And, uh, you know, they had experience with it. <clears throat> they they rejected it after that experience. And I, too, reject the term limits. I don't think it's a good idea uh, because lame duck legislators are one of the biggest problems. That's, you know, lame duck le- season is when you get the worst legislation that has ever, you know, comes out of Congress, usually occur- occurs during the lame duck session. Yeah, look at the one point seven trillion of recent memory in about a few days ago, right? Yeah, absolutely right. All right, Bill's yeah, presented so I, to Congress. I know we mentioned this a little bit, but I want to mention it again. Mm-hmm. They claim mm-hmm. they'll be single subject, not mm-hmm. omnibus with all these earmarks and everything else. Do you think it'll even be real? Well, we can only hope that it will be real. I mean, if they'll hold him to the agreements that he made been been great <clears throat> you know this idea of single subject um i'm all for that i you know utah has that uh, law in place by the way so that you can't you know pass a bill that addresses both education and tax reform for example um it but you can address, have two bills one addressing education and one addressing tax reform what the congress really needs to do that too <clears throat> i'm all for that however this idea of <clears throat> excuse me, prohibiting earmarks, I disagree with that because I think <clears throat> you need, you know, it's the job, the job of Congress to identify where the money is to be spent. That's their job. And so, you know, that's what an earmark is. <clears throat> um, it, you, you're specifying that this amount of money will be spent on this program or this service, whatever. And <clears throat> so that's the job of Congress. And so when you, when, <clears throat> When people come along and say we're not going to have earmarks, you know, I just I just read really a question if they understand their job as as a member of Congress. Sam, there you have it. They're even talking about one of the, uh, I guess, agreements, if you will, or concessions made. The Texas border plan will be put before Congress. This is a four-pronged plan to complete physical border infrastructure fix border enforcement policies, change the laws, and I guess deal with cartels and other criminals, right? Yeah, the four-pronged plan. So this is a Texas border plan. I don't know if this is a plan that Texas has put into place or whether it's uh, just a plan someone has come up with that they call the Texas border plan. But but, um, I do like the, you know, enforcing our laws in the interior, and what that probably refers to is, is you, you 
punish illegal aliens who are here and who are doing damage, you know, if they're breaking, they're, they're criminals here in our country, then they need to, you know, suffer the penalties, uh, you know, either and, and then be sent back to their their country. Um, uh, you know, I what I what I what I don't quite understand, Sam, is you know, Congress, uh, the states did not give to Congress the authority to um, to enforce immigration law. They they gave to Congress uh, naturalization. Uh, you know, authority for naturalization, but not for immigration. And I think historically, the states handled immigration. You look at New York. Uh, it used to be a lot of immigrants coming through New York. Well, it was the state of New York that enforced the immigration law. And I think Arizona is beginning to do that. I think Texas is beginning to do that. Um, and, you know, I'm all for that uh, because I don't think that's necessarily uh, – an authority given to Congress. What's your take on that, Sam? I think you're right for the most part. I think that there is a dual role to play. Uh, I think the president is to deal with external affairs in terms of negotiations with other countries. For example, when Donald Trump negotiated that, hey, the Mexican or the people that are in Mexico have to stay on the Mexican side until we vet them and figure out what we're going to do with their request for entry into the United States was a wise move by the president. So I think the states mm-hmm. primarily should be in charge of, of um, uh, immigration, like you're saying, but I also think the president can have a role and have a dual support uh, dealing with other countries and outside of the country. There's a role for the general government and the president uh, specifically uh, to help negotiate and support the states internally. Because remember, both parties mm-hmm. Both dual sovereignties, the states and the general government, are supposed to protect the people from enemies, foreign and domestic. And you know what? We don't know if their enemies are not crossing our border. And so I think there's a dual role there. And I don't think that they need to conflict in that role. I think they have role or, you know, parts to play uh, in this overlap protection of America from enemies. Um, So I I agree with your point, but I also think Donald did a great job back in the day uh, on that. Of course, it's been kind of gutted now by Biden, but I think there was a, a valuable role that he played. Yeah, and I think it's a more. It, I think it's important uh, for states to step up and, and take a larger part of that role. I don't think states really have shouldered any of that burden for maybe over a century, um, maybe since the, the Civil War, the War for Southern Independence. Um, and and I think states, if they would take a, a you know step up and shoulder more of that burden, then we wouldn't be so dependent uh, on the on the president. You know, Trump Trump does a good job, but then Biden comes in and reverses everything Trump did. Well, that wouldn't happen. That flip-flopping wouldn't happen if states would step up and take a stronger role in uh, protecting, you know, in enforcing immigration law. So, um, yeah, I, I can go along with the dual role there, but I really think states haven't, you know, kept up their part. They of haven't the done their duty, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I also think, though, Congress has a role to play, and I think they can craft laws. One of the best ways to stop illegal immigration, in my opinion, is slam that door shut with harsh penalties, but then work on appropriate legal immigration. You know what? The right people yeah. should be allowed to come for the right reasons. And it seems like the more yeah. you're willing to do right, the more you're stuck and can't progress. That's the wrong answer. We need to shut down the illegal door and open a wide, broad door for those who want to come for the right reasons, those who can get maybe uh, employment sponsorships and other ways to not 
beyond the dole while they come to America and, and, and embrace America, making sure that we do some vetting that they're not criminals or making sure that they don't bring diseases in. And there's a lot of roles to play there, uh, but we can reward those who want to come for the right reasons and who can bless America. There's a lot of value to that that I don't think we're giving credence to either, Lowell. Right. Now, and there, there's some people who say that uh, the border states shouldn't be tasked with, you know, we, in other words, interior states should help the border states. And, and you know, and I, I agree to some extent they should. Now, I know that the coastal states, they benefit tremendously from the trade that comes through them. And, and, and so that's a benefit that they have that the interior states don't have. So, you know, so it kind of works out, I think, in the end, in the wash. I think it probably... You yeah, know, they get more state, trade and dollars to support the immigration uh-huh. responsibilities they have. I think the yeah, other exactly. cities internally and the states internally, the best way they can help is not create sanctuary cities, uh, creating uh-huh. friendlies on, quote, both sides of the states that are trying to stop this and create sanity and stability to this, the best way we can do it is create the same penalties across the country uh, and support them. Look, you're not allowed to come illegally into America through a border state and or to a given distant city. You're, you're just not allowed to do that. And so I think we can help quite a bit by, um, you know what, bringing these people to the border and, and yeah. deporting them. And I think states in on the interior have a real responsibility to help with that. Yeah, and I, and I don't want to digress too much on this uh, point I'm going to make next, but there's a Utah inland port idea that <clears throat> that that I think is um, a real Trojan horse. I think there's some real danger in having an, a, an inland port here in Utah. Basically, these containers are shipped to the coast, and then they put them on rail cars and, and, and come into Utah before they're ever checked. You know, they come all the way to an inland port, and the inland port has authority, and they're kind of like a sovereign authority that Utah can't touch, and that the, um, yeah, that you know they, they become a power unto themselves, like a brand new jurisdiction or a brand new state. And so, I'm not for the Utah inland port. I think it's a bad idea, and I wish. I agree. It turns Utah into uh, beyond a border state, if you will. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes us a border state, and uh, and and but 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 then the goods get here long. And, and they're already here before we can send them back. And, you know, sending them back is going to be really tough. So <clears throat> I'm, I don't know. We'll have to discuss the, the Utah Inland Port uh, later uh, a date, Sam, because I yeah, think it's it a real a huge problem danger And worthy of discussion yeah. without a doubt. All right, number six, they say COVID mandates will be ended as well as will all funding for them. They'll get rid of uh, what emergency funding. This could be a welcome change, Lowell. It certainly could, um, and and I think it would be. You know, the military who uh, were, you know, the, the vaccine mandate was imposed on people in the military, and a lot of them took the jab, uh, you know, you know, willingly. A lot of them took the jab unwillingly, and then a fair number of them left the military because they refused to take the jab, and that decimated our military. Um, and and so if if Congress would uh, step forward and say, "Look, we're not going to mandate the jab uh, here." Then, then we wouldn't lose so many good people as a military, and would, and I think that'd be a good thing. Now, one other danger I see in Congress's uh, ending the COVID mandate, the, the vaccine mandate, 
is that they didn't have that the power in the first place. They didn't have the authority in the first place to even uh, mandate vaccines, right? I mean, the states never gave the uh, general government power to uh, vac uh, to, to mandate vaccines, and so by passing a law that prevents the mandate, it, you're, it, it also you're tacitly saying that they had the power to impose the mandate. And, and that's a power that states never gave to them. So I see a big danger there, Sam. I see a big danger, but I also see it pretty good if we can defund this, though. That is one thing that Matt Gates and others pushed for that I think, you know what, if we do it right, it could have some teeth. The only question is, will we do it right? Quick pause. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, on your radio. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. Bloomberg is reporting Goldman Sachs plans to cut 3,200 jobs starting this week as part of a cost-cutting plan after a big slump in deal-making plagues the company in recent months. The layoffs amount to nearly 7% of the 49,000 employees on the bank's payroll as of September. Fees from advising on deals, stock offerings, and bond sales fell more than 40% in December from a year earlier. Prince Harry, just ahead of his release of the memoirs detailing behind the scenes and events, was talking with ITV. I love my father, I love my brother, I love my family, I will always do. Nothing of what I've done in this book or otherwise has ever been to, uh, any intention to harm them. The royal family never expected Harry's love of his life to be an American actress. I don't think they were ever expecting me to get or to become uh, to get into a relationship with with uh, someone like Meghan, who had you know a very successful career. Critics are calling it a show as President Biden visits the U.S.-Mexico border after his administration has allowed roughly 5 million illegal immigrants into the United States under his watch. Biden, who on Sunday made his first trip to the U.S.-Mexico border since taking office. During his visit to El Paso to assess enforcement operations, Abbott said he hand-delivered a letter to the president in which he criticized the administration's border policies. He called the visit... $20 $20 billion too late and two years too late. I'm Dave Collins. The Mega Millions jackpot is up to $1.1 billion before taxes. The next drawing will take place tomorrow night, January 10th. The cash payment option, should you prefer, would be a payout of $568.7 million. Do remember, the odds are not in your favor. The National Football League season has come to an end. Fourteen teams move on to the playoffs starting Saturday the 14th. This is USA News. The holidays are here. Achieve gifting greatness when you give perfectly aged, tender, delicious Omaha Steaks. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have curated special gift packages to take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. Go to OmahaSteaks.com and take advantage of 50% off site-wide. Plus, use code TREAT at checkout to get an additional $40 off your order. Send an assortment of mouth-watering favorites guaranteed to impress, like the legendary Butcher's Cut Filet Mignon, Air Chilled Boneless Chicken, Ultra 
juicy burgers, even easy to prepare, ready in a flash comfort meals. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com, get 50% off site-wide, plus use promo code TREAT at checkout to get that extra $40 off your order. Minimum order may be required. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, live it on your radio. A lot of sessions. How many of them will be real is the real question that I have. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, discussing the details with me. They also say budget bills. Stop the increase in the debt ceiling and more. Is this even real, Lowell? Yeah, this is a promise I don't think they'll be able to keep. Uh, this is not a rule-type change. This is uh, more of a you know, policy agreement. And those, you know, they blow in the wind. I, I don't know. I mean, it would be nice if they would stop raising the debt ceiling, but <clears throat> they never have the guts to do it because they fear government shutdowns, right? Which is, I, I welcome a government shutdown, but uh, most people don't. So, yeah, I, I don't think much is going to come of this one. Uh, you know, the BBC article, I, I, I looked at two different articles. Uh, one, the first one uh, came from the Epic Times second one came from BBC, and it's interesting to me that the BBC never covered most of the points made by the Epic Times, and I don't know if that's because mm, they didn't want us to know some of the agreements, uh, or whether, you know, they're just uh, trying to, uh, uh, you know, or, or whether they, you know, didn't know everything that, uh, uh, I guess it was Representative Ogles that reported to the Epic Times all the agreements that were going on. So anyway, the BBC, they mentioned two or three others. Um, uh, one was, uh, you know, McCarthy apparently agreed to appoint a hardcore conservative to the powerful House Rules Committee. Um, so, you know, that would be, a, that would be nice. Um, I still dislike the fact that the Speaker, all the power, uh, resides in one person, you know, the power to, to point people onto committees uh, resides in one person. It's so corruptible. It develops, a, it, it results in a system of patronage, right, where, you know, you don't get any of your legislation considered unless you lockstep with the speaker and support him in what he wants to do. So if, if you're like a Ron Paul and you, you know, and you only vote for constitutional legislation, then there's no hope that your legislation will ever be considered. And that's exactly what happened. All those years Ron Paul was in Congress, and you know this, Sam, he would always introduce bills that were constitutional, like you know, getting the U.S. out of the United Nations, for example. What happened to that bill every single term? It was sent to a committee to die, right? They always, the speaker would always send it to a committee and, and instruct the chair of that committee to bury that bill they were not going to allow that bill to see the light of day. So that's the system of patronage that exists there. If you want your bill heard, you've got to support the speaker in what legislation he wants done. And uh, and so that's another reason why we get so much bad legislation. And, and it really amounts to pay so to power. play with the speaker is what it is. It's criminal activity because of the compromises and the conflict of interests that arise uh, from such an abusive, hostile uh, relationship, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why I've kind of lost all confidence in Congress, because they just simply cannot 
They cannot make progress. Even when they make progress, it, it ends up being bad in some way or it ends up being negated in some way. And really, progress simply, uh, sadly, doesn't seem to happen. Now, strangely, nobody knows all the concessions that were made behind the scenes. Those are the ones that, um, you know, really are documented by a lot of different media organizations. But the BBC article mentions additional concessions that I don't know if other people realize. Um, Lowell? Well, uh, yeah, it, it says that McCarthy may have agreed to give chairmanships of influential committees to some of the holdouts. You know, and whether that happens or not, will, it remains to be seen. But that would be uh, that would be helpful because then some of these bills that normally would not see the light of day, maybe maybe they'll be actually considered. So that's somewhat encouraging. Another another one is that uh, you know holdouts are complaining about out of out of control federal spending, and you know everybody should be up in arms about that. But you know, the campaign coffers of these congressmen are filled by special interests, and so they have to vote for uh, con- continued spending, and uh, that's one of the reasons we have such out-of-control federal spending. Well, some observers believe McCarthy agreed to some constraints on fiscal spending, such as tying debt increases to budget cuts, uh, uh, or such as allowing individual lines of spending to be struck from pending legislation by votes on the House floor. You know, that, that that would be a welcome change because, you know, Pelosi never allowed, you know, people to strike a, an item from a budget bill. Uh, you know, the spending, you know, a, a certain amount of money in a spending bill, she wouldn't allow that to be, to be cut, you know, by an amendment on the House floor. Basically, she said, look, here's the spending bill. You give it an up or down vote, and we're not going to take any amendments. So this would be a welcome change. And then finally... Um, uh, uh, I, I, I just have to say, Sam, that, and, and maybe we, I've spent way too much time on this already, but I'm kind of like you. Washington, D.C. is kind of like a lost cause. And I'm happy when we got good things happening back there, but the real answer is local. We, you know, lo- the best politics is local. We need to think locally and act locally because if we solve our local problems first, then That'll bubble up and solve our, you know, our, our, our county, state, and national problems. But uh, always looking to the, you know, Congress to solve our problems locally, uh, you know, is 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 insane. It just doesn't work. It's not the it's right. It's searching way to go for fool's me. gold, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I've got to say about it. It is searching yeah. for fool's gold. Utah mm-hmm. Eagle Forum annual conference. It was incredible. I was there. I didn't get to hear a lot of the speakers, but I did some incredible interviews, and I did talk to a lot of people and uh, et cetera. But, Lowell, you have some inside scoop. Uh, I guess uh, Tim Ballard was there speaking first, right? Uh, he was one of the speakers in the morning. I missed the first couple of hours because I was out talking with people in the lobby and, and so forth. But I got in there to hear the last part of Tim's speech, and one of the things he warned us about, I'll just mention a highlight. I'm not going to... I'm not going to attempt to be comprehensive in my coverage of the uh, the conference, but one thing he mentioned, he warned us that some, this, this, this term called age fluidity, right, is going to be the next big thing coming down the road. We were all familiar with the term gender fluidity, right, the ability of someone to identify as a woman or as a man or as an animal or whatever, this gender fluidity, we're all familiar with that. We've heard about that for several years now. Well, 
the next big thing is the first I have ever heard of it, Sam, was, was on Saturday. Age, fluidity, meaning you, you can, you, you, meaning a 13-year-old might choose to identify as a 21-year-old. And, I mean, it sounds outlandish that that, that could be, but, but what, what, why would they do that? Well, because of the many laws against uh, sex with minors, right? If you, can, if you have age fluidity and you identify as an adult, even though you're, you know, you're only 15 years old, then your partner is not going to be prosecuted for sex with a minor because he's not having sex with a minor. He's having sex with an adult. It's a consensual thing because this 15-year-old identified herself as a 25-year-old. That is age fluidity, and it's going to it, it's going to rock our world, according to, to Tim. I mean, he sees it coming, and by uh, I mean, I, I was flabbergasted that there's even a concept of age fluidity. But uh, he says it's coming, man, and uh, it's going to increase pedophilia. It's going to increase, uh, you know, sex with minors. Um, and he said, man, you look at all the great civilizations like Rome and Greece that crumbled, what was the last step they took before crumbling? It was pedophilia, Sam. And I'm, I'm not a historian, but I'll take his word for it until I can read some of these ancient histories. But he may very well be right. We may be on the very brink of destruction here in this, in this country. I mean, our society may be way far gone, Sam. What do you think? I think he's right about that, but I think it'll be pedophilia. I think it'll be uh, children. I think it'll be animals. Uh, I think that we haven't seen the depravity. Uh, I think they will eventually start moving to sacrifice uh, of humans uh, and animals as well. That is a uh, cornerstone of satanic worship and a cornerstone of many gods as opposed to the true and living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so... Uh, I wish he was wrong. I pray he's wrong. But you can see the evolution uh, continuing before our very eyes. Um, think about 20 years ago. This idea that there would be gender fluidity would never have even been taken seriously. We would have laughed them right out of the schoolhouse. Now, hey, we're getting ran out of the schoolhouse by the FBI. So you don't think it's coming? It is coming. Write it down. Uh, and, you know, whether it's with children, with animals, whatever. They absolutely um, crumble societies by their um, violation of God's law. And the more you take away agency, whether it be of children or anybody else, the more you take away agency, the greater chance uh, that people will suffer. Hey, can you guys skip this break, too? We then went to David Barton, who talked directly about Scripture. And I've talked on this program many times about how the Word of God is more powerful than the sword. Uh, David Barton doubling down on the same point. He's a dear friend of mine and has been on this radio program uh, many times over the years. David Barton standing tall for what matters most, Lowell. I really liked how David described some of the speeches and the writings of our founders and, and the framers of uh, the Constitution. Um, he, he said that um, you look at their the uh, what they uh, for example the you know give me liberty uh, uh, yeah give me liberty give me death speech there's uh, there's it's like that whole speech is just uh, sprinkled with scriptural verse you know and that's 
something that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the Bible, but I never realized that so much of the writing and speeches of these gentlemen in the 1700s was sprinkled with so much scripture. I mean, that was, I was astounded by the slides that uh, Dave Barton put up and just, it just whetted my appetite and piqued my interest, so to speak. I want, I want to study their speeches a lot more and, and then, you know, and, and then see where they're anchored in the Bible. I, I was fascinated by his presentations. That was the very first time, Sam, that I've heard David uh, and you know heard David Barton speak in person like that, and I was just very impressed. Um, you know, another thing he said that uh, caught my attention was that not only did they read the Bible, but they memorized Bible verses as well, and that's why they were so that's why they're able to so easily sprinkle their speech and their writings with uh, biblical scripture because they had memorized so much, so much of the Bible as well. And that came out in David Barton's challenge to us. There at the conference, he challenged us to read the Bible, not only read Scripture every day, um, you know, uh, but also to memorize scriptural verse as well. He challenged us very specifically to memorize a, a verse of Scripture every week and to read uh, Scripture every day. Uh, talking about the daily meal uh, of, of uh, feasting on the scriptures, you know, citing the passage from the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And that's what he means when he says, read the scriptures every day. That's your daily bread. That's what the Lord meant when in the Lord's Prayer, when he says, give us this day our daily bread. So I, I, my, you know, my admiration for David Barton um, is immense, and I'm just really pleased by what he said, Sam. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I believe turning to God and studying the Word of God and applying the Word of God can do more for America than almost anything else. And I think David Barton nails this reality. He talked about, hey, you know what? Schools in the early days of our republic focused on the Declaration of Independence, the United States Constitution, the state constitution, and George Washington's farewell address. What a huge uh, opportunity that would be marlo oaks also spoke lol and he talked about uh, esg which stands for environmental social governance it's what basically it's an umbrella for when you think of the social credit scoring system employed in china uh, that's that's esg that's part of esg and uh, i like marlo's presentation see he's our state treasurer he is the treasurer of the state of utah and when he talks about the dangers of ESG, and he's a person who has the authority to actually make a difference, and he is making a difference. He's been talking, uh, he's been warning about ESG for months now, he's going all over the state, and, and maybe even outside the state of Utah, warning us about the, the dangers of ESG. He named the three entities that are the worst purveyors and influencers of Marxism today, which, of course, Marxism today is just soft totalitarianism. But the three biggest purveyors are BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. And so what he has done as treasurer of the state of Utah, he's, he's, he's punished these three organizations by removing Utah's assets from their portfolios which I think is fantastic. You, you, you want to hurt these guys? 
then you get the other treasurers in other states to do, to do the same thing. You hurt them economically. And, 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 and he also mentioned a website, which I'll, I'll, I'll give you right now, strive.com slash five questions. <clears throat> that website, again, is strive.com slash five questions. I looked at this website yesterday, and what it is is you as an individual now can also ask your financial advisor where your money is, your assets, your in your portfolio, and you ask him these five questions, and then you can direct your financial advisor to move your money into a fund that is not associated with BlackRock or with Vanguard or with State Street. And in this way, you punish the three biggest purveyors of this ESG, and uh, it, it's a way to, to get back at these folks, and hopefully we'll be able to um, decapitate ESG so that this social credit scoring does not become a thing here in the United States. Sam? Very scary discussions, to say the least. Marlo Oaks doing a phenomenal job. Environmental social governance, we've got to look out for it. It is communism in a uh, very delightful candy wrapper, if you will. It is evil. Then Jenny Strack spoke as well. Lol. Um, she uh, was from Heritage Action, <clears throat> and uh, and so if you want to go to heritageaction.com, you you can you will find there a seven point agenda to save America, and uh, it's it's pretty comprehensive. You know, I I look through this; uh, it's pretty 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 good. Um, I'll just uh, real quickly hit the, the seven bullet points here: empower parents to make education choices, secure America's borders, and reduce crime. Ensure free and fair elections. Reverse the growth of regulations, spending, and inflation. Counter the threat of communist China. Hold big tech accountable and protect unborn life and family formation. So, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, she spoke in generalities, so I don't have any, anything very specific. But I did enjoy her presentation. It's fairly comprehensive. And, boy, if we could accomplish that, <clears throat> then we would save this republic sam amen to that it's something that we need to be anxiously engaged in a good cause ladies and gentlemen heritageaction.com to learn more bobby clayson also spoke with an incredible coming food crisis and what we can do about it lol he identified the meat uh, the, the fact that there's basically four meat processing plants in the country and that because of that, if they, if even one of them closes, you get shortages in meat, and of course the prices therefore go up. And there's also a fewer and fewer food growing and food processing plants as well. You know, uh, and you know they're being bought up and um, by Bill Gates and others. Um, uh, the, the food growing areas, these lots of agricultural uh, turf. <clears throat> and um, and that's what's uh, going to help contribute to the shortages in in food, uh, meats and foods. And so one of the I'll just pick one thing out from the solutions that he proffered. Uh, and one of the the four solutions he gave is to, is what he, what he calls a private membership community. And this is a community of private businesses. They 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 network in a way 
whereby they, they protect themselves from government regulation. Um, and you see, if you take money from the government, then you're beholden to the government. You have to follow their regs. But if you're a truly private entity and you protect yourself uh, properly, <clears throat> then you can do what you want, uh, you know, as long as you're not committing fraud and cheating people, right, you're not, as long as you're not dishonest. And so you're free to operate uh, in this uh, private membership community, uh, which would result in a greater number of products and services for consumers at lower prices. Uh, they plan to use goldbacks, by the way, which uh, will be a much more stable currency than the Fiat Federal Reserve note, which is steadily declining in value, and also better than the digital dollar, which will be manipulated with social credit scoring. So um, I like the concept. I hope it comes to fruition. They're still working on putting this together. But here in Utah, I am looking forward to this private membership community, and uh, I will have probably some products and uh, that I will uh, uh, make available on this community network, uh, goat milk, for example, um, and so that, um, you know, I, I want to be a part of it. I, Amen to I that. It's, it's solutions, and that's what I love the most about what Bobby Clayson talks about. And many of these speakers we will be getting on the air to follow up as well uh, with us. Marilee uh, Boyack also spoke about pro-life. Uh, she talked about post Roe v. Wade, right? Because with the Dobbs decision, which was ha occurred just last year, last uh, June, I believe, um, uh, it, you know, basically abortion <clears throat> can be outlawed by the states. That's what Dobbs said. The Dobbs decision said that we're going to send this back to the states, let the states make the decision, so that any state that had the uh, that had banned abortion, then uh, those laws went into effect when Dobbs decision was rendered but uh you know she she mentioned that in june the killing of babies in utah stopped for two days saturday and sunday but the killing began again on monday because judge stone granted an 18-week stay of the utah law banning abortion and he later made that that stay permanent and uh, we have since then killed 1,742 babies here in Utah. It's, it's, it's horrendous. It's tragic. And, um, uh, but Pro-Life Utah is championing the, uh, the innocent lives, and they are planning a memorial uh, uh, to be held on January 25th of this month at the Utah State Capitol at 1230, right during the lunch hour, of the uh, you know so that the Capitol legislatures can attend this memorial. Basically, they're going to honor those 1,742 babies that have been killed by abortion since Judge Andrew Stone placed that injun injunction on Utah's uh, 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 abortion ban. Um, now, the number will be a little bit higher uh, by the time it gets to January 25th because there are babies being killed every day here in Utah because of Judge Stone's injunction. Um, the memorial service will be held during the legislative lunch break so that Utah lawmakers can see the effect of that injunction. And um, I don't know, Sam, this is, as you have said over and over, one of the defining issues of our time, how we treat life, the sanctity of life. And uh, I'm telling you what, if you, want to, if you want to be part of this, you want to get clued in to what Pro-Life Pro Utah is doing, they're championing the, the sanctity of life, then text LIFE 
to this number, 385-200-9929. That number again, you text LIFE to 385-200-9929. Sam? And there was one other person there that I think is really worthy uh, of discussion. I interviewed uh, Suzanne Mann, who has been involved with several others in creating what's called Latter-day Saints for Life.org. And uh, individuals that are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are involved now in a huge pro-life group that I joined as well to make a big difference there. So there's a lot going on on that front. And Delaney England wrapped things up for the Eagle Forum pretty much, right? Yes, with a preview of House Bill 131 entitled Vaccine Passport Prohibition. This bill prohibits the use of health passports in the state of Utah. It's broad enough in scope so that it's not limited just to COVID-19, but but with the recent G20 worldwide push for vaccine passports, that's why this bill is important. This bill protects businesses because business owners will not incur any cost or the administrative overhead of, of, of trying to keep track of all their employees and whether they're They've taken the jab or not, right? So it relieves them also of the liability of, uh, you know, for uh, knowing whether their employees got the jab or not. So it's a good bill. It ensures, you know, for most private and governmental employees, there are some exceptions, but for most, it's going to ensure that an individual's current and prospective employment opportunities will be based on job skills, not jab status. Sam? Amen to that. It is absolutely huge. The Eagle Forum event was incredible. A lot of people doing a lot of good things. I'll tell you that right now. We want to talk about 15-minute cities, but we'll have to leave them uh, in detail for another day. It's just too good of a topic to gloss over. But look up 15-minute cities so you can learn, ladies and gentlemen. They are a disaster, but they are coming to a city or a district or a whatever you want to call it uh, near you. And it's not going to be fun or good uh, at all. But I do want to say, folks, you need to get involved with Campaign for Liberty. Campaignforliberty.org does a phenomenal job all over the country, and you can find your coordinator there soon if you go to campaignforliberty.org. Final word, Law, when does the Utah legislative session start? And I know you'll have great updates on that as well, right? January 17th is the first day of the session. It's a 45 day session. They will consider, you know, upwards of a thousand bills. About 500 of them will get passed, and you think about that number of bills getting passed in just 45 days, it is horrendous. Ladies and gentlemen, pray we're under siege, but we'll count on Lowell for the updates. Thanks so much. Ladies and gentlemen, freedomsrisingsun.com is Dr. Bradley's site. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net are my sites. And CampaignForLiberty.org is the great site for Lowell Nelson. Thank you so much, sir. God save the Republic of the United States of America.